Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for the glory of God. Hello, I'm Brandon Ward. And I'm Ron Jorlach. Welcome to another episode of Pastor Matters. Pastor Matters is produced by the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. You can learn more about our center by visiting pastorcenter.org. So today, brother, we're going to talk about pastors and the big idea. Uh, Some of you might hear that and and be thinking, what's the big idea? Uh, So for those who don't know what we're talking about when we use that term, what is it? What, What is the big idea? Yeah, so this is a uh, conversation really in the, the field of preaching. Uh, it, it has its roots in the idea of hermeneutics, uh, biblical interpretation, how we read the Bible, uh, really how we read much of anything, uh, how we uh, communicate with one another. Uh, but specifically for our uh, discussion, we'll talk about the world of preaching. Uh, namely, uh, what are we doing when we communicate and and ultimately how do we understand uh, anything that anybody else says how do we how do we process uh, the words and the ideas and so on that uh, that are coming uh, towards us on a regular basis uh, in this case how what are the uh, the ideas or how do we understand the ideas that are coming towards us in scripture mm-hmm. so as I'm reading the Bible let's say I were to take a psalm uh, and and as I'm reading it, I'm recognizing that there are a lot of things that are going on in a particular psalm. Uh, now, the question is, uh, are all of these concepts, all these words and and uh, sentences and so on, are they are they just kind of thrown at us uh, like spaghetti on, uh, at a wall? Uh, or are there things uh, that that connect these concepts and words and sentences together? to communicate one point, one unified idea. Uh, So when we talk about the big idea, what we're really asking is, how do these concepts relate to one another to communicate one unified thing, okay? Uh, By now, you're probably figuring that we're talking about uh, what is a big idea and what uh, exactly does that constitute as we're thinking through uh, the reading and the preaching of the scriptures. And if that's the case, you're picking up on something of the big idea of the conversation that we're having right now. <laughs> this is how we communicate and this is how we think. Uh, we, by nature, uh, have the tendency mentally to connect dots, and for us, dots are much better connected than they are disconnected. Uh, so if we see uh, uh, four dots uh, on a page, uh, two on the top and two on the bottom, we automatically start thinking, you know, that looks like a square. Uh, well, why do we think that? Well, because we already connected the dots. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the same thing when we read. We're reading and we're saying, okay, wait a second. There's something that ties all of these things together. Now, in preaching, I want to communicate that. 
whatever that is that, that connects all of these things together, that's what I'm aiming at in my preaching. Because if I can hit that, then I can hit all of the other dots, you know, that are there in the text and show that there's a bit of a unity, uh, a unified purpose, unified thought there in the passage. Yeah, Haddon Robinson came up with the term big idea in uh, his book on biblical preaching, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, one of the quotes from that book, he says, every sermon should have a theme and that theme should be the theme of the portion of Scripture in which it's based. Uh, so kind of what you're saying, the main idea. Uh, one of the things you said was that um, that's how we communicate, right? Mm-hmm. So like one of the important things about the main idea is that as you're preaching that, if you don't have that figured out, uh, it, it's tempting for the audience, the congregation, to fill in that gap. Mm-hmm. Would you say that's that's right? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, or... If you, if you don't do that, you leave them confused. Uh, you may have given them all kinds of different ideas, okay? Uh, but what is it that ties all of those ideas together? Uh, what category, if you will, should we put uh, these, these sentences and so on in this passage so that when people walk away from it, they walk away with a sense of what the Lord is saying to them? Uh, let me say it this way. If I uh, told my children... All right, here are the things that I want you to do. I want you to make your bed. I want you to uh, pick up the clothes off of the floor. I want you to vacuum the floor. I want you to, you know, uh, uh, make sure that you dust uh, your desks and and tables and all of these different things. Uh, And while you're at it, I want you to go over into the kitchen. I want you to wash the dishes. I want you to mop the floor. I want you to put (laughs) the food away. I want you to put, uh, you know, uh, the dirty dishes in the dishwasher and, and, and all of these different things. If I say all of that and I say, now, I want you to repeat to me everything that I said. More likely than not, they will have no way (laughs) to repeat everything that I said. But if I ask them, okay, what do I want you to do uh, while I'm away? And they say, you want us to clean our room, and then when we're done, clean the kitchen. Now, when when they said that, did they accurately restate everything that I said? Sure they did. It covered all the bases, okay? And if they focus on that, clean our room and clean the kitchen, then more likely than not, they'll hit all the other details uh, that were there in my checklist. Uh, That's what you want for your people. Uh, Help them to get the concept. And if they can get the big picture, if they can get the big concept, the big idea, then they should be able to see where all of the little pieces fit together so that they now are able uh, to understand what was communicated. Yeah, I think uh, the illustration that Dr. Jim Shaddix uses, the professor here at Preaching Mm -hmm. at Southeastern, is like a GPS, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So your main idea is the destination. Mm -hmm. The little points along the way get you to the destination. Yeah. and that's important, right? You don't want your people to not have a clear destination and then have them pop up somewhere in the desert or in the jungle. You want them at the finish point. You want Absolutely. them where uh, where the destination is supposed to be. And we all have been lost before. If we yeah. don't have a sense of, of direction of where we're going, we're going to get lost. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and we're not going to ask yeah. where, where we need to go. We're going to try to do it on our own. And so it's, it's very important. So very helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and most of the people listening probably knew if they didn't know what the big idea was, they, they knew kind of what we were talking about. It's, it's kind of gotten different names. Mm-hmm. Uh, some call it like the central idea of the text or the CIT. You've got your other group that call it the main idea of the text or the yeah. MIT. So, so different people have kind of created various terms for this, this, uh, this approach. Uh, and in essence, they all kind of mean the same thing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so there have recently been some that have taken this big idea approach of exposition and, and, and minimized it. They, mm-hmm. they, they see that it minimizes the, the details and nuances of the text. Do you agree with that? Uh, should the expositor seek connections or a connection in the details of the text, or should, should they be content with just teaching the points of the text? Hmm. Yeah, there there have been some in recent years. Really, it's it's been around for a long time, but it seems to be gaining traction uh, in the world of preaching over recent years. Uh, that that there are folks that say, well, you know, you're you're talking that that uh, about this big idea, and you say this is the big idea of the text, but but there are things that are going on in the passage that are not represented in your big idea. Yeah. And so, therefore, it's reductionistic. It doesn't it, it doesn't account for everything in the in the text. And we need to just get away with this, uh, uh, get away from this, and let's let's focus more on the details in the text. First off, my response to uh, to them is: so you're telling me that uh, the big idea is an ineffective approach to preaching because it doesn't account for everything in the text. And if they say yes, I would say, would you call that a, the big idea of what you've been <laughs> what you've been saying? Um, this is how we think, okay? This is how we think. The problem that I that I I notice in their criticism isn't so much with with the approach, the big idea approach, as it is with how it's been implemented. Mm. Uh, there are folks, and, and this is a fair criticism, there are folks who, who in trying to understand the big idea of the, of, the, of the passage, fail to account for everything that's going on in the passage. Yeah. Sure, you know, that happens. Uh, what I would say to that person is, take your big idea, scratch it, <laughs> ball up the paper, throw it in the trash, and start over. You know, uh, if your big idea does not account for everything that's going on in the text, then you need to get back to work uh, so that you are able to make sense of every detail. You know where every detail, like a puzzle, you know where every piece fits. Okay, Uh, so, yeah, the problem I I don't think is with the 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 concept of a big idea or a main idea. Uh, I think that the the problem is we haven't gone the extra mile to see how all of the details uh, fit together to communicate that idea in the text. And so I just think that we have more work to do. Yeah, and that that segues right into my next question, Mm -hmm. Uh, and that is, what is your process? So you've got a text of Scripture, you're looking at it. How do you decide what the big idea of the text is and, and, and do it in a manner that fits in to the canon of scripture mm-hmm. uh, and, and do you have any guardrails to keep you in a proper safe place yeah uh, what I do uh, first off I have a passage whatever that whatever that passage is uh, if I were working through a book of the Bible my passage would be the entire book of the Bible all right so whatever whatever that book is um, uh, let's say Ephesians all right, so I'm working through uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, and I'm paying attention to the structure of the text. Uh, how does Paul structure this letter? 
Um, he begins, of course, with uh, with the uh, epistolary greeting, Paul, you know, uh, and and to the, the the church that is in Ephesus, you know, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he gives this this uh, this eulogy, uh, working off of that first word, praise be, you know, to God. Uh, in the Greek is eulogia, but he says praise uh, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so. So then he gives a list of of these spiritual blessings that he has in mind and 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 so okay that's my first passage and then the next passage and next passage and all of this you go through the the letter of the Ephesians and you say okay what is going on here what what is the architecture if you will of this letter what's the architecture of this of of this passage what's the structure where is the weight you know, what terms are repeated over and over again, uh, what concepts, you know, are repeated over and over again. Uh, what is it that just seems to to be predominant here? Uh, the way I teach my classes, uh, if you have a Jenga tower, if you've ever played the game Jenga, <laughs> you've got this tower of these of these blocks, you know, these wooden blocks, and you stack them all up, and you can pull one, you can pull another one, you can pull another one, and so on, and the tower is gonna is gonna stay uh, stay vertical, but eventually you'll get to a point where there's that one load bearing block, and, and if you yep you pull <laughs> that block, the whole tower is falling apart. In uh, reading the Bible, in our, in our study of the scriptures, whatever that passage is that you're working with, ask, what is the load-bearing uh, concept in this text? What is it that uh, if I pull this concept, this idea, out of the text, the whole thing falls to pieces? Okay, we have no idea what the passage is talking about. Mm-hmm. If if we if we delete this part out, it may be a a phrase that's repeated throughout the book uh, or throughout the passage. It could be uh, a concept, you know. Uh, it, it could be something, whatever that is that that carries the weight of this passage. That is, you know, where the focus of this of this text is, and that's what you gotta you gotta drill down on. So in Ephesians, uh, let's say if I were looking at uh, Ephesians uh, two, you know, so you've got the first part, you know, talking about our deadness in sin, and then you notice in verse four that God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, there's repetition of deadness in our trespasses, uh, He made us alive. So we were dead, and now God in his mercy and his love and his grace, in verse 5, has made us alive with Christ. And he raised us up with him, and he seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so what you're talking about here is God's merciful, loving, and gracious intervention in our lives to change us from being dead uh, to being alive and risen and exalted in Christ Jesus. So how does God in our in our union with Christ take us from being dead in our sins to now being alive and raised and even seated where Christ is? Chapter 1 says that he's seated at the right hand of the Father far above all rulers and authorities and powers and so on, not only in this age but in the age to come. And he says we have been seated in the heavenly places with Christ. 
All right. So as I'm thinking through the text, I'm looking at those things, the repetition of our deadness, uh, the, the, the contrast between our deadness and our life, uh, the connection with what he had in chapter one about what he said about Christ. Now he's saying about us, you know, all of these different things come together in this text. And that's where I'm where I'm zooming in. And I think that that uh, makes sense of all of the other things that are going on in the text. No, that's super helpful. Just walking us through that that process with that passage. What would you say to somebody who is looking at a text and they're just struggling to find some central idea of it? What would you say to them that maybe might be helpful, things that they could do to, to help them with it? All right, um, I'm, I'm going to go uh, full Baptist on us and I'm going to give you uh, I'm going to give you a couple P's. OK, oh boy, uh, here comes the alliteration. <laughs> here we go. Uh, Adrian Rogers would be proud. Um, all right. First off, pray. All right. Pray. Mm. Uh, you should already be doing this when you're reading the scriptures. You are communing with God. Okay, you're not uh, so much reading a book as you are listening to the voice of God as it is encoded in the pages and on the pages of Scripture. Okay, you are fellowshipping with the Almighty. All right, through His written Word. So. I, I do this when I'm reading the scriptures and there's something I don't understand. I'll just blurt out, you know, if I'm alone in the room, I'll blurt out, what, what, what does this mean? <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's a bit of a prayer, you know, where yeah. I'm asking the Lord, Lord, what, I don't, I don't understand what you're, what you mean here. What it's do you mean It's also an here? encouragement that, that there are passages that will cause you to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. There are passages that I've been mulling over for years and I still have no idea what's going on. And this is a normal place to be. I mean, even in church history, we see guys wrestling Mm -hmm. with this. I mean, this is what they're doing. They're wrestling with the scripture. What is the scripture trying to say? What is the passage trying to say? Yeah. I've told Annie uh, over the last year or so that I think I'm finally old enough to understand Ecclesiastes. (laughs) Uh, after all these years of reading the book, all these years of trying to to process, you know, what's being said in here, I think I finally figured out the the flow of thought, you know, the argument uh, of the book, and I think that I'm starting to understand what the main idea of of the book of Ecclesiastes is. That took years <laughs> for me to get, and, uh, and and I'm grateful. There are other books where I'm still chipping, I'm still trying to figure this out. I'm I'm reading it and rereading it. So yeah, take the time to pray, and and maybe that leads to the second one, which we've already alluded to, which is persevere. Uh, read it again and 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 again and again, you know, and meditate on it. Uh, take the ideas, rehearse them in your head, you know, uh, as you're going through the your daily routines. I think this is what Psalm 1 is talking about. Uh, his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. What does that mean? He thinks about it mm. and he keeps thinking about it. And he keeps thinking about it, and he's going, "What does this mean? And and what does this look like in this situation? And uh, I'm still not quite understanding how this comes together, and 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 all of that. Uh, you know, it, it takes that time of persevering, and that uh, leads to a third P. It's got to be three if I'm going to be full Baptist. <laughs> uh, you've got to also process. 
All right. That may mean that you've got to go to the commentaries and read what, what they have to say about it. It may mean if there are certain theological connections that are going on in the text that you've you've never made those connections before and you sense that the author sees something or understands something that you don't quite understand, well you may have to do some homework. You know, go hunting and 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 see, you know, how that how that happens. Uh, you may have to broaden your uh, your lens if you're focusing on one particular paragraph in the scripture. Start back at chapter one of the book and just reread the book, you know, and 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 just kind of get the flow of the author's argument, get kind of the feel of what the author is doing uh, in this in this book as a whole, and that may even give you an opportunity to uh, uh, or some insight in in how you understand uh, the piece, you know. So yeah, you you've got to work at it forwards and backwards, you know, inside and out, you know, over and over. Over again, you just keep thinking your way through and praying your way through, and uh, and hopefully in due time the Lord will uh, will will bring uh, bring it up to the surface. Yeah, and you can always you always have other brothers and sisters too that can Absolutely. help you with that. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. To make Do it sure in community. That, that when you get that that main idea, uh, that it's actually what the text is saying. You, mm-hmm. know, you didn't just get to that point out of thin air. Yeah. Uh, you know, I always like to, as you're walking through that process, I just think of an archaeologist, right, trying mm-hmm. to dig up a a massive dinosaur and and, and it, it's a lot of work yeah uh, but once you get the finished result after the the fine brushing and and using your little instruments once you get the full thing uncovered it's just yeah yeah like like you were describing with ecclesiastes it's just an accomplishment oh yeah the rewards are so so re- uh, rewarding i mean you you read the scriptures and the light comes on and there's just something, you know, at least for me, there are times where I've, I've recognized, you know, what, what a passage is saying and it's brought tears to my eyes, you know, where I'm just like, it makes sense. You know, after all this time, you know, of thinking through the text, it makes sense. And, and I don't know about you, but there's something about that that gets me pumped, too. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, I can't wait until yeah. Sunday. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We've talked about it before. We're just like nerds. Oh, like, yeah. Through the whole process from start to finish. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There is something so exciting when you get it. Now, granted, there are some texts where you read it and you get the point of the t- passage and you go, oh, no. Yeah. I've got to say that. Um, you know, but this it's so rewarding when you can say with confidence, this is what the Lord yeah. is saying. Thus says the Lord. Yeah. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. And seeing the connections as you're preaching it for your mm-hmm. people that they are not lost that they know where, where you're going yeah. you know after one of the things that we were doing with our with our son our five-year-old was uh, after sermons because we would have him sit with us uh, when we were in the service when we're on our way home asking him you know what was the sermon about today mm-hmm. and seeing him get that yeah and kind of come up with that main idea that uh, is just proof that it's that it's so helpful for not just you, the pastor, uh-huh. but for your people and getting it and not getting lost. Yeah, yeah, it's helpful too. I mean, when you're when you're dealing with uh, issues like correcting, uh, correcting interpretations, correcting the way you know maybe how people have misused script, uh, scripture over the years, you know things like that. Um, I've heard as an example, uh, I, I use this a lot in Revelation three, the church at Laodicea. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there are people that have used that passage in so many different ways. Uh, you, you know, the, the text about the Lord saying, you know, I, behold, I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my yeah. voice, you know, and so on. Uh, when I've preached that one uh, a time that I've preached that that text, I've I've called the sermon the church that evicted Jesus. 
the church that evicted Jesus. Why do I call it the church that evicted Jesus? Well, I call it the church that evicted Jesus because Jesus is talking to a church. Yeah. He's not talking to the un- uh, to unbelievers. He's not speaking to an unbelieving community and calling them. He's not talking to an un- an unbelieving individual and saying, you know, hey, I'm standing at the door of your heart. If you open up the door, I will come in and you'll be saved and, and all that. That's not what's going on in the text. He's talking to a church because of their self-sufficiency. Uh, they have gotten to a point where they don't think they need Jesus anymore. And Jesus is saying, hey, I'm standing at the door mainly because you kicked me out with your self-sufficiency and I'm knocking. In other words, I haven't abandoned you just yet. You know, I'm still here. And if you open up the door and uh, in essence, by letting me in, you are coming to a place where you are re-acknowledging the fact that you need Jesus if you are going to survive as a local church. He says, hey, if you do that, then I'm absolutely going to come in and we'll have fellowship together and and so forth there in the passage. So if I'm if I'm preaching that text, I'm not going to preach this as an evangelistic sermon or something like that, because I don't think that's what John or the Lord Jesus are saying in this text. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think that's what he means by uh, by that metaphor by the, by the analogy that he's using there uh, so yeah uh, coming to an understanding of the big idea may even help you avoid some interpretive uh, pitfalls uh, that definitely would uh, would affect your preaching and even keeping in mind an audience like mm-hmm. you were just alluding to just a second ago is, yeah. it, is this passage geared more towards unbelievers or believers mm-hmm. in the church like what is this passage speaking to yeah uh, very helpful uh, what are some books? that our listeners uh, can can look at to help them with this concept, this approach mm-hmm. to preaching? What are some guys that have done it well? Sure, sure. Well, there are uh, different books. I'm going to focus on preaching. There are books like, for instance, uh, with the phrase uh, big idea uh, came from uh, Haddon Robinson uh, in his classic book, Biblical Preaching, uh, which has gone through uh, several editions and so on. It's a very, very helpful book. I, I um, definitely recommend that to you. Uh, there have been some uh, recent books, uh, uh, some from our own here at Southeastern. Uh, Scott Pace, uh, who's the dean of our college, he wrote a book called uh, Preaching by the Book, uh, where he focuses uh, on preaching uh, as a whole, but he definitely uh, follows a big idea approach to preaching. Um, there have also been some books uh, by, uh, or at least co edited by Dr. Aiken, our president, uh, his uh, one book called Text Driven Preaching. Yeah, we got to get the pres in there. Yeah, got to get Dr. Aiken in there. Uh, Text Driven Preaching is a fantastic book. Uh, Engaging Exposition is another very well done book. Both of them uh, follow a, a big idea approach. There's a uh, more uh, a couple more recent books, um, one that's edited by uh, one of our friends, uh, one of my mentors, Eric Redmond. Uh, his book, uh, Say It, uh, celebrating expository preaching in the African-American tradition uh, and the sermons that are given in there follow a, uh, a big idea approach as well. Um, and then there's a book called uh, Preaching with Accuracy uh, by a guy named uh, Randall Pelton. Uh, that's also a book that, that specifically focuses on how we uh, we uh, uh, follow a big idea approach and how we can get there. They've got some helpful tips in there as well that uh, are definitely helpful for us. Oh, thank you, brother. Well, That will do it for today's episode of Pastor Matters. Uh, We hope this conversation has been beneficial to you 
Uh, if it has, consider leaving us a review on whatever podcast platform you're using to listen to us. We would greatly appreciate any feedback uh, that you're willing to give. As always, it is our mission to equip and encourage pastors, uh, and we hope we've done that today. Uh, yes, and as always, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. <laughs>